Hi everyone, welcome back to Behind the Timeline, the podcast where we examine pop culture in films, television, and books across the ages. As always, we are your hosts, Lindsay and Scott. If you're interested in finding out what we've already covered or what we've got coming up in the future weeks, be sure to leave us a follow on Instagram at Go Behind the Timeline. Check us out on Twitter at Behind Timeline and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Additionally, links to our Patreon and our official website can be found in the episode descriptions if you would like to support the podcast. And now, on with the show. As we here at Behind the Timeline continue to bring you the hilarious and historically fundamental pop culture breakdowns you've come to love and enjoy from us, we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge the truly tragic loss of not one, but two beloved cinematic personalities this week. The sorrowful loss of both Angela Lansbury and Robbie Coltrane has cut a swath of sadness through our hearts that we're not soon to forget. From a teapot to a bed under the sea, Angela's soothing voice brought whimsy, comfort, and assurance of love to every syllable. Truer still is the best friend we all found in Robbie's Hagrid, whether it be his drunken singing alongside Jim Broadbent in Half-Blood Prince, or his single-handed carrying of the massive Christmas tree in Sorcerer's Stone. No matter which, he always found a way to make us wonder, just what creature couldn't we tame? We hope that you remember both of these wonderful actors as we do, and maybe even find time to rewatch one of their classics from across the ages, as we undoubtedly will too. Alright, let's do this. sad it's very sad much bummers this week much much indeed but also much like awesome shit this week like it was a weird up, emotionally up and down week that yeah. Lindsay led into what she thinks is the greatest movie of all time i do think that this movie is the greatest movie of all time we're here to talk about jurassic park finally the original yeah we actually finally got here too like it's been a, <laughs> we've been talking about this for a while like not on the podcast like we we're talking about this like over text and so like dude i can't wait for jurassic park and shit yeah this and is it's one spooky of the ones we we're most excited for i know it's like scary movie time and this is like the best scary movie it's i, I know that it's not a horror film it's like a thriller but still yeah as um, steven spielberg put it it's jaws on land yeah it is jaws on land <laughs> i do think this is the best movie ever made and it is my favorite movie like my if like if i put aside my nostalgic love for the little mermaid, you know, and this is the best one. This is my favorite one. I was so stoked to watch this and it's the first old movie. Technically, this is still an old movie that we've done that doesn't feel old. No, uh, it doesn't. And I think that's why I can't like find any fault outside of like, but this is definitely not my favorite movie of all time, but I can't find outside of personal biases, like why this wouldn't be like a top 10 movie for me. I mean, this better be top 10 for you at least. (laughs) No, I know. Like if it weren't for like other movies coming in, like Inglorious Bastards or Moonrise Kingdom and stuff like that, like, no, this definitely would be a top 10 movie for me. But 
I think a big part of it too is like this came out at a time where I was like super I mean everybody was into dinosaurs when they were a kid like let's be fucking real here but getting to see them in such a like realistic setting was like awesome and horrifying at the same time like what I'm I'm gonna put this question to you guys before we get into the show but um what I, I'm more interested to know whose parents didn't let them watch this movie because it is like ridiculously violent and like, really scary. I was six yeah. years old and I saw this movie not in theaters, but immediately. So I guess I was probably seven when I saw it, when it came out on VHS in yeah. likely in 94. Um, but this was like a major cornerstone of my childhood and I was seven years old and I was way too oh, young. Same. Like I was scared to fucking death of this movie. Yeah. I had out. all the toys and I remember viscerally dude, all of the Jurassic park toys had these little pieces of like a chunk of the dinosaur that got bit off that you could remove from the dinosaur and underneath right. had the JP symbol in it. I was like, dude, this is, I remember that so well. Oh my God. Which is funny because, um, of course, Jurassic Park based on the novel by Michael Crichton, who made the first Westworld movie. And there's a lot in common between Westworld and Jurassic Park. And one of the things in Westworld is they, uh, underneath the scalp of all of the robots is the maze symbol of like to find consciousness under their scalps. So that reminds me of that with the Jurassic Park toys. Um, but let's, Let's ask like the most important question before we dig into this. Scott, what's your favorite dinosaur? Oh my god, dude. <laughs> no I, one I, asks anymore after I you know. turn 30. <laughs> it's it's so dumb. It's like nobody like you tell people you get new shoes and then nobody asks you how fast you can run in them. Like no one does that anymore <laughs> and it's so dumb. Um actually it because because of this movie, my favorite movie or my favorite dinosaur actually is Jurassic Park's version of the Dilophosaurus. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get into like a little bit more fun facts about the dinosaurs and shit, but what's your favorite my, dinosaur that existed? My favorite dinosaur realize. that ever existed, like of all time, dude, it's gotta be, it's gotta be probably the Spinosaurus, which oh, okay. sucks because he doesn't even show up until the third one. And the third one is like ostensibly the worst one. You could arguably, arguably it could be the worst. Um, we'll debate that. Perhaps we'll talk about that later. Maybe we'll talk about that in the room requirement. What's the worst? Because mm-hmm. yeah. the great thing about the legacy of Jurassic Park is that there's no debate over what's the best one. The, oh, this I is know. The best yeah. one. This, this is, is absolutely the best one. It's arguably the only really good one. And and so really it's a question from there of which is the worst. Yeah. How, like how far downhill does it go from there? How bad does it get? And it's really – it actually reminds me a lot of another Steven Spielberg dinosaur movie, The Land Before Time, where – Yes, indeed. The first one has a an enormously high level of quality, right? Like the oh, way yeah. that that movie is done, like we see our Land Before Time episode. Like it's genuinely good. And then it comes with this slew of just increasingly bad sequels <laughs> that are just like not sequels. even close to the same level as the first movie. Like it's just no, a completely different world from like yeah. it's – No shot. With the same characters and the same – like it's actually has way more in common with – the land before time than you would than one would think even just beyond like Spielberg and the dinosaurs but I love that he that Spielberg then went on to do this um yeah. my, my favorite dinosaur I know what is yours Sorry. what is yours so excited to talk about this movie I know um I will talk about my love for the Dilophosaurus later because very much agreed like the Dilophosaurus in this movie is fucking awesome but my favorite dinosaur is the Velociraptor 
due to this movie. And I know that the raptors, the way they're portrayed here, are not accurate to a real raptor. But the real raptors still are my favorite, right? Like, no matter how you cut it, raptors are my favorite. Um, And I was watching Prehistoric Planet, which is a... on. You guys can find that on Apple TV+. Plus. It's excellent. And it's a David Attenborough-style documentary featuring David Attenborough with just the most lifelike dinosaurs. Like, it's insane. Like, it's a nature documentary with dinosaurs. And it's like, how did they film the Stegosaurus at night? Like, it's like, it really (laughs) looks real. It really is incredible. And there's an episode where there's like a raptor hunt. And my sports watch told me my stress was unusually high and asked me if I wanted to take a breathing exercise. That's so awesome. (laughs) Holy shit. That literally happened to me. Like, you have to. I wish you would watch that, Scott. It breaks my heart. I know. If you guys want, like, if you're not, if this is news to you, I've been hearing about this. I really probably like dinosaurs and David since the Yeah, probably since the show started. I've You've been, been hearing, hearing about, about it this. since it was announced. Since they yeah. notified us that it was going to happen. This is <laughs> oh, man. It. it just I I'm wish gonna, you I, would watch it. It really is I good. will. Before we get down another rabbit hole of Scott, why aren't you watching this? Um yeah, I'm gonna give yeah. you guys a little bit of pertinent information. Should we just add that as a permanent section of the pod? Why isn't Scott watching good stuff? Why isn't Scott watching this? Yes, yeah. I, we absolutely should. <laughs> because it, it's gonna have nothing to do with the movie we're talking about. But this time it does. It's but about a dinosaur. Right. Anyway, go on. It's about a dinosaur. Yeah. Um so yeah, as we have mentioned before, and as we apparently have come to the conclusion that the nineties was basically run by Steven Spielberg and Robin Williams. It's correct. Um, Jurassic Park was directed by Steven Spielberg. Um, it brought together the phenomenal and now infamous talents of Sam Neill as Dr. Alan Grant, Laura Dern as Dr. Ellie Sattler, Jeff Goldblum as Dr. Ian Malcolm, and Richard Attenborough as – I had to look this up in the notes, but he is a doctor too uh, – huh. Dr. John Hammond. Uh, and like several of our other films, this movie is based off the novel of the same name, which was written by Michael Crichton, though – this is really important because this pays into the sequels. Um, the book actually wasn't even done yet when Steven Spielberg bought the rights to this movie. He found out about it. and We'll get into it a little bit in a minute here. But um, he found out about it while talking to Michael Crichton and was like, dude, I've got to have this. Like, I have this. I have to do this. Yeah. Spielberg loves him some dinosaurs. This is yeah. a true statement. Read us the plot summary, would you? I will read us the plot summary. I tried to keep this as just like the dinosaurs are very rarely seen until the action part of the movie. I wanted to keep this as mellow as I could for a plot. So when paleontologists Alan Grant and Ellie Sattler are approached by wealthy businessman John Hammond to validate the authenticity of his newest theme park after a mishap with an employee (laughs) – the two are thrust into a beautiful yet terrifying fight for survival when it falls on them to protect Hammond's grandchildren as the star attractions 65 million years in the making begin to run rampant. Yes. Oh, it's so good. I'm so excited. I'm so happy we're here. Um, Me too. You can stream this on HBO Max. You can, you can actually find... stream all of them. Uh, no. You may stream... Uh, the first three Jurassic Park films, but not the newer ones. They are not on HBO Max. Are you sure? That's yep. crazy. I'm extremely sure because I watched all three of them yesterday via my friend's Amazon account where they, where they were already purchased. <laughs> I was like, and skip to Jurassic World. 
Pass yep. on movies two and three. I'll probably watch those tonight, though, to be fair. Like, I'd love me some Jurassic Park. But no, those ones you can rent them, like, on Amazon or Apple, but they are not oh, free okay. right now. Eventually, I'm sure they will be, but they're not right now on HBO Max. I kind of don't understand why, but whatever. Yeah. The good one is free on HBO Max, so congratulations to everyone <laughs> trying to watch some Jurassic Park, the original. There you go. You heard it here live, recorded. All right, let's go to the timeline. To the timeline. Lindsay, what year is it? It continues to be the year 1993 and will be for some time. We're going to be here for a minute. Um, Some historical context. uh, In this year, two of the now former police officers um, who were involved in the uh, violation of civil rights on Rodney King were convicted. So the and the Rodney King riots had happened the year before, which I think we talked about in '92. So those guys get arrested. Bill Clinton was inaugurated. Uh, he was elected in '92, so inaugurated in January of '93. Rudy Giuliani became the first Republican mayor of New York City in 20 years, and Mattel and Fisher Price announced a one billion dollar merger. That was Hell a huge yeah. deal when that happened. Yep, that's why you don't see. Um... <clears throat> well, never mind. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, so no, actually, I want to read this because this, I loved finding this out because it kind of like backs up Lindsay's whole this is the greatest movie ever made kind of thing. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 92% tomato meter <clears throat> and a 91% audience score review. That's the closest we've had of anything since we started this Rotten Tomatoes review portion of the time yes yep it is dead on this was as popular with with critics as it was with audiences i'm surprised it's only in 91 92 i I know it does seem kind of low right yeah it does really low (laughs) anyway um talk to us about the oscars yeah so unlike any of the other movies we've covered so far in 93 this actually was nominated and won three academy awards it won for best sound effects editing best sound and best visual effects as discussed last week, the Emmy winners of this year were Seinfeld and Northern Exposure. Law and Order, interestingly, was also nominated for Best Drama, and I just think it's crazy how much better TV is now. Like, can you imagine oh, fucking yeah. Law and Order being nominated for Best Drama? Uh, Jurassic Park is the top-grossing movie by, by like, an insane margin. Oh, yeah. Galaxy's difference. Yeah. Um, we talked about it a lot last week, but, I mean, it, it was very close to a billion dollars, like... I mean, Jesus God, like it, this movie made so much money. Yep. I can't, I mean, a million dollars in 1993 is like all of the money, right? So, oh yeah. It's, it's whatever you, yeah, you were, you were fine if this made back twice what it cost you to make it. Yeah. And it been for this to go almost to the first billion dollar film is the most insane thing ever. Like no one had ever seen this before. And it literally opened the, what have they got in there? King Kong size doors. Yeah. For all of these other movies. Now, to let you guys know, because we are historically inclined to let you guys know about these things, the first movie that actually did cross the billion-dollar threshold was 1998's Titanic. Mm Mm-hmm. That is correct. Anyway, um... In terms of the parks, this does have a a bunch of stuff in Universal Studios. It used to have, like, one ride, but now there's, like... Yeah, aren't there, like, two or three? Dude, there's, like, a whole fucking kingdom. 
Hell yeah. Like, it's a thing. There's like a, a the experience, there's like a section of Universal now that is Jurassic Park stuff. So, and I haven't been since they built all of that and I didn't research it, full disclosure, but there is an enormous amount of Jurassic Park shit happening in Universal Studios. So, yeah, those rides exist. Um, it's all been updated for Jurassic World. It's none of the original stuff. It's like... The Indoraptor is in there somewhere now, and the Indominus Rex is in there instead and of like, the T-Rex. The Indoraptor was dope. Even if that movie's terrible, the Indoraptor was awesome. And the sure, Indoraptor it was absolutely dope. deserves to be yeah. in the parks. Um, we can't we can't blame the Indoraptor for its maker. No, I can't. Yeah, <laughs> I love the Indoraptor. Yeah, the the plot isn't the Raptor's fault. No, the plot the Raptor had nothing to do with this. I've just really separate kind of justice the, for the Indoraptor. Yeah. Like, um, and um, in terms of sequels and stuff, of course, there are yeah. there are six Jurassic Park movies. We will review all of them. Um, but we have Jurassic Park in 93, The Lost World in 97, Jurassic Park 3 in 2001, and then a 14-year break before Jurassic World in 2015, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom in 2018, and Jurassic World Dominion in 22. Anyway. Um, to the movie. To the movie. Yeah, we're going to the movies. Guys, like I said, we would be remiss if we didn't tell you all of the fun, exciting things that happened behind the uh, scenes when this movie was being made. And the most hysterical thing about this movie, before we even get into all the stuff about how the book was not finished and Steven Spielberg's obsessed with dinosaurs and all of this stuff about killing lawyers was a shot at the studio and all this stuff. You guys need to understand that the show ER and the movie Schindler's List are actually the reason that Jurassic Park got made. Which is such a weird sentence. It is seriously the weirdest thing I think I ever wrote down on these notes. Like of all the things that we've written, it's the craziest thing. So originally learning of the movie or the book in 1989, Steven Spielberg like became obsessed with this thing. Crichton had originally planned for the novel to revolve around a college student who had recently graduated and somehow managed to reanimate a dinosaur. But his like fascination with the cloning process and like just dinosaurs in general grew into a like much larger like overall story or whatever. Right. And a better one for instance. Uh, yeah, for, absolutely. For, in addition, I mean, cause that sounds, yeah. uh, that sounds kind of like, stupid. But um, it's insane. So here's where things get like really bonkers. Spielberg learned of the novel while he was discussing the script for another film he was working on called ER with Michael Crichton. Uh, the project would eventually get shelved in an effort to focus primarily on Jurassic Park. However, once it was finished, Spielberg did go back to ER and it eventually was pitched as a now award winning hit hospital drama that we all kind of know and love today. Which is like, I didn't realize that Steven Spielberg was involved in ER. Like, that's insane. Neither did I. Of course. I, and of yeah. course he was. Of course And of course, yeah, it's the 90s. I mean, well, you basically just assume that Steven Spielberg is lurking around somewhere on yeah, any movie that we're talking about. It's like an eight and a half out of, nine, out of ten chance that Spielberg's involved. Yeah. 
And just, even if he's not directly, he's like there. He's he's like in the room somewhere. He's thinking, <laughs> he, or he's listening. Like he's aware. He was in some way, you know, approved of everything that was produced yeah. during the nineties. No, that's and so good. much of the eighties e. too, right? Like, oh yeah, definitely. Eighties, close encounters of the third kind. Et. By all now, that stuff. he's yeah. like really famous. Like right by now, he's oh, for sure. Do whatever he wants. And of course, Schindler's List came out in ninety one or two. So. 92, if it won the 93 Oscars. Um, Schindler's List came out in 93. It, it oh, won the... Oh, no, 92. You're right. I'm sorry. It was 92. I apologize. Yeah. And this is why I know this. So, Warner Brothers and Tim Burton, Columbia Pictures and Richard Donner, and 20th Century Fox and Joe Dante all put in bids to secure the rights for Crichton's still not yet finished book. But Universal because it's such won. Such a fucking sick idea. Sorry. Exactly. Like, no, and that's exactly so what it is. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. But Universal won the bid on behalf of Spielberg in 1990. However, after completing Hook, Spielberg wanted to focus purely on Schindler's List. So, in order to create this like pathway of you know how we're going to make the movie and shit. Sid Sheinberg, who was the president of Universal's parent company, Music Corp of America, agreed to greenlight Schindler's List on the condition that Spielberg made Jurassic Park before it. So, they spent all this money to get the rights. Actually, it came out to $2 million for Michael Crichton for a book he wasn't even done fucking writing yet. For the rights. He got $2 million and a percentage of the box office. This man was set for life because he had the wherewithal to ask for a percentage. Yeah. And the coolest idea ever. Like, I fucking love Michael Crichton so much because everybody, if you guys have listened to, like, more than seven minutes of an episode of our podcast, you know how much I love Westworld. And, (laughs) like, but for real, though, like, it actually is pertinent for once to mention Westworld because Michael Crichton, it's not a book, but it was a movie that he did in the... 80s, I think, or early 90s. Um, I've never actually seen the original movie because it's just like old and whatever. But <laughs> the concept is Jurassic Park, but with robots. It, it is, is. that like the theme park element and the game element of Westworld is what what intrigues me so much and attracts me to it. And then the execution and the fact that Westworld is just fucking unbelievably good from there um, yeah. keeps me there. But this theme park gamey thing that Michael Crichton does is really, really good. And I wish that Michael Crichton had been the person to write Ready Player One. I sort of feel like Ready Player One would have been like way better if it had been Michael Crichton instead of... Uh, Ernest Klein. Ernest Klein. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was almost there. I'm like, I can't quite see it from where I'm sitting. Um, oh, you were trying... <laughs> I'm trying to read... I'm try- trying to see... see- no, the book is like in my line of sight. I just can't quite see it well enough from where I'm sitting. But no, it it should have been Michael Crichton. I think Michael yeah. Crichton would have like, or he should have made the movie. I think he would have taken Ready Player One and made it great. So another thing that I mention all the time is Ready Player yeah, One. Yeah, Ready Player One. Yeah, <laughs> that a lot. Because I love the concept of Ready Player One, and yeah. I feel like it's executed like a fucking toddler did it in it all of in all of its way. The the book too, like it's just all so <laughs> bad for such a good idea. So I wish Crichton had been on board. I think he would have done better there. Um, I like him a lot. Yeah, it. 
It definitely seems like this was the best marriage of ideas with Spielberg and Crichton. And they, they became like really good friends after this. Um, mm-hmm. And a large part of why Steven Spielberg wanted to make this was, like I said earlier, he was heavily influenced by Godzilla during pre-production. Um, especially, or specifically uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters, which came out in 1959. He believed that what made Godzilla so fascinating and terrifying to watch for people was not only had no one ever seen movies like that before now, um, except for like claymation films like Clash of the Titans um, and The Seven Voyages of Sinbad, but you also had stuff like from the viewers and him, it was easy to believe that this was really happening and that's what he wanted in a creature film uh-huh. for himself was like for like his audience. So – he worked really hard on the animatronic CGI and scale modeling or go motion of all of these mo- of all of these dinosaurs and he came out with this like incredibly realistic looking movie don't get me wrong there are parts of this movie that just are they look really weird um like there are scenes in the kitchen with the raptors where I'm like, eh, I, don't, I don't know. There's a couple where you kind of look at it and it's like, but you know, that we can look at something made 20 years ago. Yeah, I'm not, I don't hate it. It doesn't look Is like it, shit. Has it been 30 years now? Oh God, it has. Shit. Oh my God. Okay. Fuck. Oh God. <laughs> uh, I was like, wait, hang on. How old are we? Yeah, no. Thir- the fact that we can look at something made 30 years ago with computer graphics and say, oh, yeah, instead of what the fuck, like yep. that's great. Like, that, we don't look at this and say, man, remember how good we thought this was in 1993? No, like, this is that good. Yeah. Well, and I said it last time, too. It's um, the best scene in this entire movie, visually, is when Dr. Grant lights the flare. It is literally the best scene in this whole movie. And obviously, guys, there are – I'm fully aware. Do not <laughs> do not mistake my my love for this movie for my overlook as you have come to expect from me of plot holes in this movie. Cause there are a lot. We're going to talk about them in the room requirement. Cause there it's not perhaps entirely perfect. It's, there's some weird shit. Yeah. There's just some stuff that doesn't add up, but the movie was for all intents and purposes, like almost biologically correct except for like the making up of dna merging and shit like that but the reason for that was because they actually had a real paleontologist on set telling them yeah the dinosaur would act like that or no he looked like this or he would do well and what's so interesting about jurassic park and i i think it's like it's part of why it remains so fucking great is because yeah in 1993 this was pretty close to our understanding. There are exceptions, um, like the size of the Velociraptor they knew was wrong, obviously. It's, yeah, it's too big. They made them bigger. Um, yeah, to make it scarier. The Dilophosaurus doesn't, we'll talk about it, doesn't do half of the shit that they say it does, right? They <clears throat> make some changes for narrative purpose that work, and it's like everyone's happy with it. But they made this as like paleontologically correct as possible, if that's a word. Uh, paleontologically. Nine, pale, yeah, sure. As as like accurate to science as it could be in 1993, but we now know that a lot of it is wrong, and they didn't know that at the time, and that's what's so interesting about dinosaurs. Like they like now we know that they're they were feathered, and they and you have to watch Prehistoric Planet because it's all I accurate. Know. It's fucking so cool. Oh, I'm gonna watch it tonight. It's so good. I love 
love prehistoric planet. It's just unbelievable. But the we it, our understanding has changed dramatically. Like the fact that Dr. Grant talks about dinosaurs evolving into birds, that was pretty new science yeah. when this movie came out. And it's absolutely correct. Um, but it's funny how much of it is inaccurate only because we didn't know at the time. It was totally accurate to the information that we had minus some of those kind of changes that are for the plot that they have owned always, right? Yeah. Um, so much I kind of feel like I it's mean, unfair to say it's inaccurate. I think it's – It was accurate to the knowledge that yeah. they had when the movie was made. It was made with as much um, integrity to the science as, exactly. as as they could do within the plot because they made changes for plot purposes but not – Right. They weren't just like making know. shit up. No. They didn't just like – yeah, there's no Indoraptor in this. Like it was all pretty accurate and uh, and I love it and it was so good. But yeah, there's a lot of it that's not – correct from our understandings now and then you get to see like in dominion there's that one uh like more accurate looking sort of raptory one except for how it oh, swims that's a yeah, crazy. But it's, it's like swimming. a feathered dinosaur yeah right um or in dominion's flashback they have the t-rex is hairy yeah which i think is cool like they are trying yep. to do better but and then yeah. what is it uh jurassic park 3 the raptors have feathers on their heads yeah, like, which they but would've. only their heads. But like, it was just uh, like, yeah. yeah, they would be more. Fe- watch Prehistoric Planet. You can see what they really looked like. They still scare the fuck out of me. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, it was done pretty accurately, which I think is very cool. Yeah. Um, and it looks good. I think like at the at the core of the reason that this movie did so well is it does look great. Like Lindsay had to put this in here because I didn't I didn't actually know this, but uh, it was going to be claymation. So in that same style of like classic fifties movies, like Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, and Godzilla, or, and Godzilla and stuff like that. So it was going to be that weird, like that doesn't fit here, kind of thing. And it was the best that we had at the time, like a very never ending story ish kind of aesthetic, yes. right? Which I, of course, hate. Absolutely and, hated. And, um, and yeah, that was the plan for a minute, and then they had, uh, I don't. I don't remember his name. I don't have it in front of me. But one of the guys that was working with him who ended up being in charge of the CG was like, look, like, I think we can do this with the computer and not have it look like garbage. Because there was yeah. some CG before this in movies. Uh, well, yeah, we much. had all three Star Wars before this. Like, sure. It, Star Industrial Wars Light Magic's existed. Like, yes. And they worked on this, actually. So but for CG fun fact. characters, not a spaceship, no. not an yeah. explosion. A CG thing that needs to look real, really, mm. really real. Like that was the point here. And that's why they were going for practical effects and then for claymation for the big zoom outs. Because remember, the reason that Jurassic Park holds up and works is that there are enough practical effects to trick your brain. And this is yeah. how your brain works, right? If you like your brain's going to fit things into the schemas that it that it has that are available to it. And so if you set up the schema that we're going to see primarily the animatronic head for a minute, that's Mm -hmm. the T-Rex that you're going to see when you very briefly and in the dark in the rain, see the T-Rex whole body, your brain's just going to put it into the schema that it's all still real. Yeah. Yeah. So they're using like real science to like make your brain believe this and so it's just CG that's used for those big zoom outs. So the big CG moments are the zoom out of the T-Rex, uh, some of the raptors in the kitchen when they're yeah. jumping on the tables and stuff. That's some of the less convincing CG. Yeah. And obviously uh, the stampede. And so this is what's so crazy. It's like they convinced Spielberg to do this. 
And he agrees to do it. And they nix like months of work on clay. Because again, it would only have been these brief shots that were clay. Oh, it yeah. mostly have been practical effects uh, animatronics. And they nix that. They decide to go with the CG. And then they decide to be so fucking brave that their first big dinosaur shot, their first CG shot, is the brachiosaur that holds up probably the least well, I'd say. Yeah, and I think the only reason it doesn't is because it's daytime. So they have there's so much fucking shadowing that has to go through with this. And it just it's on his back is really where I noticed it. Like his feet, his legs, that kind of looked okay, but his back was just weirdly too bright. Mm-hmm. That I'm just kind of like I I don't know. This one's not fitting for me right now. Like it's great and it's an awesome scene or whatever, but I still kind of like that kind of like took made me give like give pause when I was rewatching this for the first time. I was just like, wait, hold on. Yeah, it definitely holds up, if not the least well, the second to least well after the Raptors yeah, in the kitchen. And that one Raptors shot, because we'll talk about that. That's my favorite scene, but I just, but still, there's some weak CG in it. But like, I think it's really brave of them to do this in the daylight, though. Yeah. Just to be, and, and just own it and be like, this is it. Like the majesty, that's got to be the best scene in the movie for me. Like where I still cry watching it. Uh, in the very beginning when they first see the Brachiosaurus. And yeah. like, I remember at the time, um, and I know that it's, that I said earlier that it's great that we can look back and not feel like, oh my God, it looks like shit. But I do remember looking back and I remember people thinking that there was an animatronic Brachiosaurus. People thought for for real that they built this thing. We could not tell in 1992, we could not tell the difference between CG and that scene. Right? No way. Like people, there were so many conspiracy theories about how they made that shot. People did not realize that was a computer. Mm -hmm. I remember thinking that they had a full size T-Rex. When I was told like they did animatronics, I was like, yeah, but like that, there were no. CG oh, but shots. like standing there, yeah, 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 standing there, like eating the Gallimimus. Like we thought there was a giant T Rex that they made. Yeah, like it. So for for our for our Gen Zs who don't recall, like who were not alive to watch this happen and like be part of the zeitgeist for this, like <laughs> this is what kids in elementary school and middle school were saying. This was like it and, oh, that and it was adults, a real fucking yeah. That they that nobody believed there was any computer involved in any of this. We did not realize. Mm-hmm. We thought, and that you got to remember too. Dinosaurs. The craziest thing about this whole like opening shot is that's the first time we actually see the dinosaurs. Because yeah. the only other thing up to that point that we've seen is the the puppet eyeball of the raptor when it eats the handler in the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we get this, and it's, like, insane, right? Um, mm. So tell me about what they did do with the T-Rex. Since they, since we know they did not build an entire yeah. full-size running, like, a yeah. stuff T-Rex, as <laughs> seven-year-old me was fucking convinced I, of. Yeah, it was, it was – I swear to God, dude, I still think to this day that that's – it's the real. T-Rex and it's just is, out there somewhere. That is the – that's the CG that holds up the best. Yeah, it is. Like, it so is, dude. Even it, at the end. The when, looks yeah. insane. It looks Every so good. Every T-Rex shot, I can totally, I can't tell. I can't tell even yeah. now. Not, not a chance that there's anything ever wrong with any of the shots with the T-Rex. Even the end where like the banner falls and it's like all that stuff. Like even then it's still, it just looks awesome. But that for T-Rex the live action. more real than Rex in the the Jurassic World movies. Straight up. In the Jurassic World. Yeah. And I think it's because they rely so heavily on 
visual effects in the Jurassic World practical. movies. Well, it's because it tricks our brain, like I was saying, with the, the practical effects Yeah, but there's no practical effects in Jurassic World. Sorry, sorry, sorry. The practical effects in Jurassic Park yeah. uh, make that T-Rex that is CG look more real than the all-the-time CG. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Even though the effect – don't get me wrong. The special effects in those later movies are good, but go yeah. on. So the animatronic T-Rex – there really was an existing animatronic T-Rex and it was 20, 20. I'm going to say that like one more time. It was 20 feet tall. And how and much of the animal was it? Was it? Its so body? it was every, no, it was from his knees up. Okay. The harness or like this, the, it weighed 18,000 pounds. Insane. And to, to give you guys a, uh, uh, just like a brief insight into what it was like to work on this movie with these animatronics, the scene where they're filming in the rain um, and the way that the base supports were designed for the T-Rex allowed water to get into the mechanics of like moving it and shit. So in between scenes and like during lunch breaks and stuff, if water had seeped into some portions of the like gears or the controls or anything, the T-Rex actually would often jerk or, quote, come to life and scare the living shit out of people. Like, people were genuinely convinced that these things could move on their own before, like, a lot of the technicians realized it's because there was water and they had to put tarps over the bases. <laughs> but they were like, dude, what the hell? Like, these look so fucking real. Like, the scene where – um, I never remember his name. What is the lawyer's name? Oh, uh, Gianni or Gui- Gui- Gianni. I, yeah. I can never remember it either. Uh, he is like a way bigger character in the book. In the book, he's a lot bigger character. So is Muldoon. But um, Yeah, whose name I also always forget. But yeah, the lawyer. Yeah. The lawyer. The blood-sucking lawyer. Yeah. Um, thank you, John. So the scene where he gets eaten, the majority of that is CGI. Obviously, you're not going to put a real person in the mouth of this fucking anim- 20 foot animatronic thing however the scene where he's first picked up is uh is practical when it first clamps down on him and it picks him up out of the ground or whatever there were two shots originally it was him sitting on it and then the mouth comes down around him and he was attached to a harness and it takes him up but then they were like that doesn't work that looks weird it looks like we made two different shots so they stuck with the CGI of him just sitting there, and it's an, a long open shot of the T-Rex just clamping down on this dude, which, if you guys don't know this or you don't remember from the Halloween episode, movies like this, my favorite thing is inventive kills about these movies. Like, I love, like, the way that certain people, or, like, imaginative deaths in horror movies or, like, thrillers and stuff like that. And I'm going to tell you right now that I think the lawyer's death is the tamest of all the deaths in this movie because it's so quick. We see it and it's done. It's there's not that many deaths in this movie. There's in this the one, there's in not. The beginning. So there's the handler. There's the lawyer. Muldoon is killed off screen, and that's probably my favorite. Um, yeah, and Samuel Jackson is killed off screen. Nedry is killed with the shaking of the car, and that's a close second for me. And it's all because it involves the Dilophosaurus, but that's, that I like. That's a definitely second place for me. Yeah. And so there's actually, I guess, yeah, there are kind of a lot. 
Um, the point is, yeah, uh, yeah. Actually, lots of people die in all these movies, but I think the Dilophosaurus is the best looking absolutely of the practical effects or yep. CG of any of the effects in this movie. It is the best looking dinosaur, right? It's because he Maybe never appears in movies. CG. Every single time that he's on screen, it's a puppet. Yeah, a full puppet that they can make a walk and like do all kinds of shit. And when mm-hmm. they made this puppet, uh, the way they did it on the set was there was a walking space below the floor. Yeah. If I remember this correctly, right? Mm-hmm. And they um, attached to the legs and the arms. So when yeah. it jumped, the guy below jumped. To yeah, make it look like he moved. All his movements were be like if you had looked at the puppet, like you could get a full shot of the puppet. It was the full puppet because there was nobody visible working the puppet. They were yeah. below the ground. And so this thing's just like, I mean, what the fuck, right? Like that's so yeah. scary. The, the I I believe because I didn't I'm gonna be honest with everyone, I didn't rewatch the documentary I've seen on the making of this for this episode, but I remember it pretty well. So if I'm wrong, she's failed you guys. Feedback. I know I didn't quite get because I was watching all the <laughs> Jurassic World movies. I didn't rewatch this doc, um, but uh, but anyway, I, if I remember correctly, this puppet scared the fuck out of everybody. Like the, oh, this yeah. thing was like really, really, really scary on set, and it was just like so real. I think it's the best looking dinosaur of any of the movies. It is. It absolutely is. And I think the part that like sells it on the realism is when Nedry throws the stick and it makes it, the animatronics actually bend its head to look at it and then bend it back <laughs> and it just looks so good. Oh my god. It's, dude, it's it's just it's so good. And the frills on it. Okay, so this is where we get to get into our little bit of suspended belief. So, as somebody who you know, does the research or whatever, and I love dinosaurs and all that stuff. There are things that were changed for the movie to be scarier. So the primary thing that everybody takes away from this is actually, unfortunately, directed at the Dilophosaurus. The Dilophosaurus did not have frills on its neck, and it did not possess the ability to spit venom. It's completely fictitious. Yeah. Um, it sucks, but it also we have no idea what they really sounded like. If it had frills of any kind, they wouldn't have sounded like that. The noise actually used for the frills was a rattlesnake tail. Um, but the biggest thing that most people take away from that is, in real life, raptors were actually smaller than the Dilophosaurus. For sure. Yeah, and they. They made the raptors bigger and the Dilophosaurus smaller. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that thing still is it's awesome. fucking terrifying. It's yeah. so fucking rad. It's so cool. I love its stupid face. I love the way that it just is like, Nedry's like not scared of it. He's like, oh, yeah. I thought you were one of your one big of you brothers. Guys are extinct. And I'm like, no, I'm like, honey, do you see the teeth on this thing? Like, it is, that is designed to murder you. Yeah. Um, it's such a ominous character in the movie. Because yeah. we hear about it in the beginning, and we never see one. And, like, Nedry coming at it in the night, and you see the sign for Dilophosaurus, and it's like, oh, my God, we know something about this. We got told about this dinosaur. It's been, like, yep. that we have, oh, my God, it's, like, the one thing we've been told exists, but we haven't seen it yet. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, like, I, I really love that scene. It's um, so rad. I will never forget, like, the scariest part of this entire movie for me 
was after Nedry gets back in the truck and you just see the frill. <sighs> it's not even like the scene right after that where it shows his head in the Jeep with him. It's the frill because you're like, dude, this guy is so fucked. Oh, my God. Everything about it is so terrifying. Even the way that they sort of halfway show it, right? Which yeah. is like kind of what we're going into with this sort of Jaws effect, like where they show it sort of like creeping through the woods. I loved it. Um, the raptors are also puppets slash CG. There's, we'll yes, talk about, we said that there was some crappy CG with the raptors, and there is a little bit. But the puppet raptors look great, but they're not the best looking dinosaur in this movie by any means. They're, you know what it is? I think they just look bland. They look like someone was like, describe a, a, like, a meat eater. Yeah. And they were like, okay, that's what it is. But they're also terrifying. They their are. agility and their claw. Intelligence. Yeah, and the way that they're built up all the way through it. It's like they don't have to look scary to be the scariest dinosaur. Because for me, they're the scariest dinosaur and also the scariest thing. Like that's my great fear. Right. My like, what are you most scared of? Like, it's raptors every time. And they're my favorite. It's the kind of fear like raptors are like a roller coaster for me. It's like a like I loved this movie as a kid, but it scared the mother fuck out of me. Oh, no, absolutely. And like, like nightmares every night. Like I was but I loved it. But I it was, was that's the thing. Really like, it, was, it was scary. But you were also like, dude, this movie is so fucking sick. Like, yeah. oh, my God. Like they walk through the kitchen and they tap their fucking long claw. <laughs> and you're just like, that's so sick. But like I would never go into my kitchen at night because of this fucking movie. Oh, my God. But like, they're so scary. But OK. But we'll talk. I have a whole thing about the third act later that we'll talk about. I'm OK. I'm going to You guys got to remember, in. too, like the way that this movie plays out. You would assume that it's kind of like the dinosaurs are the villains in this. And they're not. That's the problem. Is And that's the argument that Ian Malcolm is making the whole fucking time. Is like, this is like an imbalance in nature. You guys cannot do this. Like, they don't know where they are. And so, like, if you really want to. And I'm, I'm only doing this because we won't have a villain rating at the end of this. If you really want to look at it, it's the psychopath billionaire that was like, we should probably fucking totally do this. Because think about it like this. Imagine if a billionaire today will just use like one that's used for comedic sakes. So Donald Trump was like, I want to make something like this. I just want to make it clear to the audience that we know Donald Trump is not a billionaire. No, I know. I just, yeah, that's totally, I'm just <laughs> for saying the like, for, for the, for all intents and fictitious Can it be purposes. Bezos? Like, Why does it have to no, be? No, because Bezos would, if this happened and it went south, Bezos would survive every time. Uh, but that's like, probably true. if you just imagine it, like him trying to t- sell people on this, like we have the best velociraptors. We have the greatest velociraptors of all time. The cleverest girls. Uh, like it just, it, it sounds so insane. Right. And so like when you hear this concept from John Hammond, you're just like, this guy is fucking nuts right now. Yes. Right. And I also just want to keep doing like Donald Trump talking to people about Jurassic Park. Like that was hilarious. The voice you're hearing is Richard Tyler. We spared no expense. China (laughs) helped us out. (laughs) I don't know why. It's just like it's so – Matt and I were talking about this the other day. Oh, my God. This comparison like, is better than I was going to initially give you credit for. I was like, why does it have to be Trump? No. no and then I, actually I, that's hilarious. Well, and like Jeff Bezos would just be like, how can I underpay these raptors? Speaking <laughs> of building like a fear, right, in yeah. this movie and, and the tension building 
is really great. So we know that famously Spielberg learned by accident in Jaws that not showing the monster is the best way to scare people, right? And oh, that yeah. was an accident. The animatronic in Jaws didn't work. Yep. It was, they were supposed to see the shark all the time. And it was like, uh, it's broken. Let's just never show the shark. Yeah. Like, and, why don't we just like know that he's there? Or they used camera work. That was another thing. Like they used camera work brilliantly for you. Like, oh shit, dude. Like it's around here. They had like POV shots. No, and they yeah. had a fin, but you never really saw the shark. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, it's definitely scarier if you don't see the shark. Yeah. But in this movie, we don't have any kind of bad luck. Animatronics are perfect. But we still kind of use this tactic to build tension. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking awesome. Um, we don't really even start to see dinosaurs, like, except for the majestic shot of the Brachiosaur. Yeah, we don't see nice. We only see nice dinosaurs. We don't see the threats. Yeah, except for the one eye of the raptor in the opening yeah. scene. Yeah, like, even when they're nice feeding ones. them, you just see bushes moving around. And you hear, dude, the sound of them eating is the most terrifying thing to me. Yeah. But it's also yeah. my favorite scene. Like, if you guys want to know how to build up a villain, watch John Wick. He's not really a villain, but watch John Wick or listen to Muldoon talk to Grant about how fucking smart these raptors are. It's the yeah. best scene in this movie. It is so – well, we've said that a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is really, really, really good, and Muldoon is really good. And we have this, like – this wonder of them in the beginning, but the yeah. tension just builds on the bad guys. Like we barely see them even on a scene to scene level. Like we were saying with the Dilophosaurus that like, even just with each individual dinosaur, we see that the goat is missing. Where's the goat? And we just, yeah. It's like this slow buildup to seeing the whole dinosaur and they do it little by little with each of the dinosaurs, raptors, same thing. Um, and it's really, really good. And then it's like this confluence and conf- confluence of the storm with Nedry's plan, yeah. slowly building tension through the whole first hour of the movie. And like, it's it's just like so good the way that they they build the tension. And like, the, I can't believe that the first forty minutes of this movie is exposition before it we is. get to the park tour. We have three kind of intro scenes or or a handful of intro scenes with the raptor transfer the amber dig recruiting sattler and grant and the dodgson scene with dodgson and nedry and these handful of quick scenes where all that is happening is expositions being delivered that's it Mm -hmm. they're just telling us what the fuck for 40 minutes um but it's super engaging and we get everybody and why they're here and what's going on and it sets up all of it it explains that the raptor attacks the catalyst and that's something that went over my head as a kid a little bit oh same i was just like damn that sucks for him i thought it was was just like hey i've got this cool like you guys are paleontologists i don't know what about you guys made me pick you but would you like to come see my jurassic zoo like that's that's all i thought when i was a kid that the lawyers are there that we need to do it because like because this guy died there and it also went over my head as a kid that that scene takes place in the same place as the raptor pen that's them loading them into the raptor pen on isla nublar Nublar. i never caught that as a kid for some reason i thought that was like i don't know what i thought it was just one of those weird elements that goes over your head and so i notice it when i watch it now because it's like oh yeah this is so well set up Mm -hmm. and um they explain everything through like action and character building right yep. 
So it's, and I really enjoy that because like we see how excited they are about the dig being funded and how that's oh, so yeah. important and that it's a good thing that, and that's why they're going to go. And we see like the lawyer, right? Like we actually see Giannavi, yeah. Giannavi? that's his name, isn't it? I'm going to look it up right now. That's it's Giannavi. Gennaro. Gennaro. Oh, Jesus. All right. We see the lawyer and we see the Amber, like all of these things are set up and everyone just happily sits there for 40 minutes of like, yeah, tell me what's going on. This is so cool. And it still has some mystery box elements to it of like, we don't know exactly, like we've seen the Raptor, but there's still like, what exactly are we doing? Yeah. Right? Or what was that? We don't totally know. It's just a monster. All we see is its eye. Like who knows? Mm -hmm. It could be, anything it's just like it's so cool and then uh well so okay so then we get mr dna just want to throw him in there he gets the award for best exposition ever given in film right so that's actually one of rewatching this i was like this is probably the best exposition dump ever right because it's not just like it's plot exposition. It has to go somewhere. Yeah, anyway. No, it's literally like they're learning, and so we get to learn with them. Like, we get the questions. That, like, how did this happen? Like, how did you guys do this? And then they go and talk to Dr. Wu, and they get even more information. Yeah. It's so perfectly set up that you are like, I know I want to know these things. What happens if they don't explain this? And then it's like, oh, dude, this, like, demented Walt Disney is going to show us <laughs> how he fucking did this shit. Well, and it's great because it's like, like you're saying, like part of the reason this works is that we want the answers so badly because it's exactly. such a cool concept that the audience is like, please fucking tell me. And I think the other reason is that we get so much enthusiasm from Grant Sattler and uh, yeah. Malcolm that like we're feeding off of their energy of like they're so like what the fuck do we care about the gene sequence probably like you know like that kind of but they're so stoked right yeah. all of their little <laughs> questions and the way that they push back against the ride and they break the rules and the control that Hammond wants which we'll talk about more as we go on right um is all great thematically and it sets up all this great stuff and by the time people are being eaten Everything makes perfect sense. Every gun is already hanging on the wall. Even the electric fence gets set up in the first scene when they first enter yeah. the park. Like they – every little thing that could possibly happen, the frog DNA, it's all – well, with the exception of one thing, which is a plot hole we'll talk about later. Everything yeah. gets set up. The lysine contingency not mentioned until later and for no reason. But everything else that happens in this movie gets set up by the – by the time they get into the jeeps everything mm -hmm. is just yeah. all the dominoes are set and all we have now is time to just play and that's about an hour for them to get into the jeeps it's about an hour and it's a two and a two hour movie like a two and a quarter movie yeah yeah i think it's about i think it's like two minutes ten maybe or two hours ten yeah and it's about an hour in by the time they get into the cars and it's just like all set up so perfectly. And despite having this like hour long exposition dump, they really trust the audience. It's all done really organically. Like they never, they explain it on like this, like the level of Grant and Sattler. Yeah. And they expect us to be smart enough to understand too. They don't like, 
ELI-5 this, right? They're explaining it to the doctors and they're answering the doctor's questions and they expect us to be smart enough to follow along and we do. Like, they mm-hmm. don't have to, other than, like, what is DNA that Mr. DNA breaks down for us, which, like, that's probably good for, like, anyone who was, you know, six when this movie came yeah, out. Yeah, for real. Like, Anybody so who was, like, us. a fucking our age, yeah. Yeah, or just, like, not really didn't know that stuff. Because, honestly, a lot of that science was still really new. So, anyway, it's super, super well done, and I love it. And, um... <laughs> I guess my I'm like I'm just looking I'm like what are my other thoughts on this I think no, it, it speaks a lot to like it that great. well I I think I think what speaks very highly of the exposition is that Ian Malcolm's line of life uh, finds way life right? uh, finds way and here I am um, talking to talking myself to myself <laughs> that line is one of the most famous lines in all cinema right yep. it is um, up there with I am your father and I'm ready for my close up Mr Demille and it's just in the middle of this hour long exposition science dump, which in any other context shouldn't work. Uh, But here it's like literal gold. Well, and what's crazy to me about it now that I'm older and I understand like their roles and shit, Malcolm was brought in as a statistical, like mathematician, right? Like he, he is a doctor of mathematics, or, uh, no, the it's the probability it, that something goes wrong. Yeah, the probability goes wrong. He's a doctor of probability he's, or something he's like a, that. He's a chaostician. So oh, that's what it is. He's a doctor in chaos theory. Um, yeah, exactly. And he is the one that literally makes everybody – like even in the dinner scene, like when they're all eating, you can kind of get the sense that Sattler and Alan are not fucking here for this idea. Like despite what they've seen. They're still just like, dude, you've created like a, a massive imbalance in the ecosystem. Yeah, like they're all stoked about it. They're all impressed. They all had that wondrous moment. And that's all that's really happened at that point, right? That's before Yeah, the they see part. that and then they meet Muldoon and then they go eat and that's when they have the conversation. Yeah, so it's right before they get into the Jeeps. And yeah, they're already like, look, this is fucking awesome. Don't get me wrong. I'm definitely crying about how exciting this is. Yeah. But uh, no, this is a bad idea. What in the fuck? All of them immediately, except for Gianni. Gianni? Gennaro. And he's like, we're going to make a fortune. I don't know. That's one I'm not going to learn that name. Um, Yeah, yeah, (laughs) the lawyer is immediately like just sees dollar signs. Oh, yeah. Everybody else is like, oh, fuck. That's this is not great. Yeah. And here's the thing. Like you could even I think when I was a kid, I even asked this. I was like, dude, if you wanted to make like a crazy cool theme park or whatever, like with dinosaurs and you had this technology, absolutely. Like go wild. Make a stegosaurus. Make a triceratops. Make a brachiosaurus. Whatever. The the part where things get out of control is the need to tiptoe through the danger of everything and so they're like what if we did bring back a t-rex what if we did bring back a dilophosaurus and a velociraptor like the minute that they realized that velociraptors were that fucking aggressive they should have all been terminated like it just like from from a a safety and standards like outlook on this like osha would have fucking lost their minds about this place well for real but like 
you have somebody as qualified as Muldoon, literally the first thing we ever hear him say to the group is they should all be destroyed. Like, even he acknowledges these things are uncontrollably dangerous. Yeah, a question I, like a practical question I had about the Raptors, and then I do want to address the many fuck-ups of John John Hammond and, like, (laughs) why this is happening, right? Because I think that's a great question and a great segue. Yeah. My question on the Raptors is, so they breed the Raptors. Right. And then immediately it's like, the Raptors, like, this is a nightmare. I don't even know what to do about the Raptors, right? Yeah. What the fuck is the plan for the Raptors from like a you're in a zoo like view the oh, I know. situation because nobody can see the Raptors in the in this like hide the shark like fucking tank that they're in in front yeah. of the visitor center like they're right there so it's like do they plan to have it be glass so you can look in that seems incredibly unsafe like what the fuck is the plan like Raptors or do they get like is that just their containment area do they get an open range somewhere else. Yeah, how do they expect them to just live in that cage? Like, what the fuck was the zoo perspective plan for this? And then I have the same question when we get to, like, like maybe maybe there's an explanation where we can say, okay, maybe that wasn't going to work. Like, I don't know that they had a plan. Like, this all clearly was not going to plan with the Raptors. They didn't know what the fuck, right? But then when we get to Jurassic World, it's like, all right, so we know this is really untenable. Oh, like, yeah, there's absolutely. No, like, and they don't even have the raptors in a part of the park that the visit, that visitors can go to. And I no, but then it makes sense. Then it makes sense. Like, that's where actually the plot of Jurassic World fucking tracks. Yeah. Because, because it is like, just a military shit. project. Exactly. It's, no, it's not because it's not they're like, holy shit. Like, they specifically bred them as a or military, the military project. Yeah, you see, it in, uh, you see it in Dominion a lot. In the end, well, they have all yeah. the flashbacks to the initial training. Like all, all of Chris Pratt's like project there is like separate from the park. They're not supposed to be part of the zoo. Um, it's a separate project, which is well, also, yeah. The most also, dangerous thing that they show is the mosasaur. Yeah, but but well, the T Rex too. But oh, I guess she's there. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of other predators that they show in Jurassic World that we don't see because um, yeah. they have it all figured out. However, having this like secret project that is like this is the real reason we're here all the rest of it makes a lot of money that's great but this is what we're really trying to work on that is also westworld like that's what happens in westworld like yeah everyone come and fuck a robot but also low-key we have this other plan <laughs> where like things get like and the real money goes to like you know so come and fuck a robot god damn it i'm like yeah i Mike want that Crichton, on a t-shirt <laughs> come to westworld fuck a robot uh, it's they should um I say that with no sensitivity to, you know, the robots' real emotions and all the rape and everything. So just, you know. They're not real. Make the argument, guys. That is the – there are four seasons of Westworld to discuss that over. Yep. Whether they are real. That's what the whole movie's about. That's that's what the original movie's about. I know. That's what the show is based on. Anyway. Um. Yeah, I don't really – What are his fuck-ups, I don't know what the plan was for the Raptors, but the many fuck-ups of John Hammond – Starting with trying to do this at all. It just – it you know what it is? I think a lot of it is Malcolm's argument. Like we thought we could do this, but we never thought should we. We were just like we are capable of doing this. Let's fucking try it. Hammond never was like, I don't know about this one, dude. Like maybe, maybe we don't do that. 
Maybe it's dangerous. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of hubris here in the amount of control that he has. And they call him out on that a couple different times where it's like, how can you possibly think that you could do this? Like, that's their immediate reaction at that lunch, right? It's yeah. like, how the fuck do you think that you can just take control, control any of, this. of this? Yeah. Yeah, at all for a minute. And I think that speaks to why they create the predators, right? Like you were saying. Like, why bring the predators back? And I think the answer in the original movie is hammond's hubris and i think in the larger lore uh and this is one of the things that like actually kind of makes sense about the later jurassic world movies is like the public wants teeth like there's a desire for this like you want danger yeah we want like to do crazy things and have it feel like a real risk which again is like westworld like these themes are so like michael Crichton's the best like these are great themes he's really good at making stories about them um and we get all the control stuff through the flea circus monologue later, right? When it's just Hammond yeah, him and, and Sattler. Sattler. Yeah. And she's calling him out. I love how this whole movie is just people calling him out. Yeah. The whole time. His control thing is great. And the flea circus thing is great. Yeah. And I love that even after, like, he gives his speech about the, the flea circus and how it's like, you know, I wanted to make something that was real. And Sattler gives her little rebuttal speech. Or she's like, people are dying. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, this is, you know, all of the things. Yeah. And even then, he still doesn't want to lose the park. He doesn't want to give up control. And he's still deluding himself about the park staying open, even once they're in the emergency bunker. He still oh, thinks yeah. he can open the park. Yeah. Which is, like, insane. Like, the park doesn't even make it past beta. Like, yeah. not even close. Um, well, and I think that's... I think that is what is such a great concept for Jurassic World is like engine did it. They perfected the park idea side of it. That's true. Yeah, because and that's something that I really like about the first Jurassic World movie. I like seeing the park operational. Yeah. And it's cool. Like they have these little orb travelers that go through the herds, the safer dinosaurs. They have the atrium with the pterodactyls. They have like the the t-rex they have the mosasaur like splash zone like sea world and shit but i love the mosasaur and a lot of the too. stuff that's in the fully realized jurassic world park is from the jurassic park book like the river yeah. boat tour and the yep. aviary are and the aviary comes up again on isla nublar like it is it is there um oh yeah in jurassic park three in jurassic park three isla. yeah that's yeah, how his stupid partner dies but they and they have a reference to the riverboat tour in the beginning uh, of Jurassic Park. They have it in like these are attractions we'll have one day, but you know for now yeah, it's just the, for now the thing just you're about to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they do show the riverboat tour, which I think is a cool nod to the book. Yeah. Um, but for, so for sure, Hammond, like ultimately, he has a nice little arc and comes back around and and like realizes that. None of this is worth it. And we'll talk about that more when we talk about the Lysine contingency, I think. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, what he's where the line is for Hammond is that he's not willing to just wait around for the Lysine contingency because people will die in the meantime. Yeah, exactly. But he doesn't say what I kind of thought as a kid. Like, when I was really little, like, six, my kind of understanding of it was more like, he doesn't want to do the Lysine contingency because he doesn't want to kill the dinosaurs. Right. It's clear watching it like, and not saying this is, this is not the first time I've realized this, but it's one of the things that I realized when I was like, uh, 
a teenager watching this movie that I was like, oh, this is about him not wanting to wait because the kids will die, uh, not him not wanting to kill the dinosaurs. Yeah. But also, he doesn't want to kill the dinosaurs. Like, he well, would yeah, prefer you can that clearly not tell, kill the dinosaurs. Yeah, that he's like, dude, if I can keep these things, like, contained or, like, alive, I'd fucking, like, I'd love to do that. He's but now I don't know where the kids are, and I can't fucking do this. Right. He's like, action has to be taken now. We have to do something. Um, but it's not as though that something is, like, bomb the island. He's like, that something should be, like, go turn on the circuit breakers, like, what he's, what he's talking about. Yeah, so he but, tries to regain control. In a way that can still salvage the situation. And here's one of the biggest problems that I have with Jurassic Park movies as a whole. In the beginning of the movie, when the handler is killed, three or four Jurassic Park controllers run into the actual cage with tasers. Yes, you can see them run around him. And run they're inside. They're in the cage. They're on the outside of the cage. With no, they're in the crate. They run into the crate to taser her. Wow. And hit Muldoon's whole thing is obviously one of the most famous scenes in the movie is shoot her. Yeah. Yeah. So we get a follow up for that when the Indominus Rex is discovered by the containment specialists and he systematically kills all of them. There are multiple scenes where these guys are shooting at this dinosaur with fucking like AA-12s and like shotguns and stuff. And it's doing nothing. And the problem that I have with this is why are, why are these dinosaurs bulletproof? That's why, a good point. Why does like, nothing no, they hurt are. them? They're, they are bulletproof. Because they're scary monsters. I get right? that. But you also it's... want it to be believable. Like this thing now has a vengeance. Like, dude, you shot it. It runs off. You scared whatever. They're still wild animals. And I think that's where the biggest problem with Dominion came in for me was like you've made it invincible. But to the point that like you're starting to feel like how the fuck do we deal with this? Like you yeah, start losing, start you're like, how are we going to get out of this? Like, is it just going to like kill the T-Rex and now it rules the island? Like, no, that's dumb. There's still people here. Yeah, like you would think like I can definitely see not being able to take down the Indominus with a couple of bullets. Like that's a big fucking animal. Yeah, but they run into the cage with the fucking the fucking like four. Like there's like 12 people around this cage trying to taser this raptor. And nothing happens. I obviously it's probably just going to agitate it, but that scene is just so chaotic. Like there, is. that is kind of the criticism that I have of a couple scenes, and we'll talk about it more in plot holes, where it's there's just a little bit of like, it's not even really nitpicking. It's just kind of like, wait, what? Like yeah. how does how what the fuck? And like, that's why is this happening this way? Yeah, but um, the only part of this movie that still confuses me is I don't really get why Nedry does what he does. Well, so, yeah, let's talk about Nedry because this is the easy second to, like, the worst fuck-ups of John Hammond. John Hammond, like, yeah. Nedry. Like, because this <laughs> – he created Nedry. Nedry should have been, like, the best paid guy in IT. Oh, absolutely. Anything. Also, why is it just him? Well, right? Like, how is there not a team of people running Exactly. Are they on skeleton crew? Did they all leave? We know that they didn't leave yet because they don't find out about the – incoming hurricane yeah until later dennis has already had this conversation with hammond yeah and like i don't know why he's not being paid in a way that makes sense for him and i don't understand 
what Hammond means when he says to Nedry, he's like, your financial problems are your problems. And he's like, I don't want to, like, I believe in people have to pay for their mistakes. And I'm like, what are we talking about? Here? Yeah. Like, does he have a gambling problem? Does he not get paid enough? And that's causing like Nedry to be pissed or like, or like, did he, like, he's getting paid a fuck ton, but like he blew it all somehow. Yeah. Like you said like gambling or something like, yeah. How does he not have, why you gotta think, cash? dude. Like he even makes Hammond even makes the comment like our lives are in your hands and you've got butterfingers. Like, dude, this guy has so much power. Yeah, all like just complete freedom to set up like with all, like they say his hacker shit. Yeah, <laughs> like all his on his computer, shit. like just completely like solo access to this whole fucking network. Although they do say, we'll give them credit. They do say call Nedry's people in Cambridge, I think. Yeah. Which is MIT is what they're referring to. Yeah. Which I just put together. This mm. I was today years old. <laughs> they do say what? to call Nedry's people in Cambridge. I, I always thought they meant Cambridge, England. But as I say it out loud right now, I'm like Cambridge, Massachusetts, where MIT is. Yes, that's what they're talking about. We're professionals here at behind the timeline guys <laughs> oh forever paying attention but no they they do say to call his people and yeah. so but they can't because the phones are out so it's possible nedry has a remote team in K- at, at mit or something yeah, I'd get behind could, or that. someone could have helped they do at least have a throwaway line and this is kind of what i mean about trusting the audience that like even like in this you gotta moment, be listening i'm yeah. picking it up but it's like they're giving it to us they're giving us enough they just trust us that they don't have to shove it down our throats of like, you know, cut to Nedry's team of 50 people working in MIT remotely on the network. Cause there's no reason that couldn't happen They're Yeah. They don't have to be in Costa Rica. No, it's not like, at all. Well, right? and I get, I get that. Like they could be remote. Absolutely. That totally works. What doesn't call, work is like that. in situations like this, like, dude, you had to know that hurricanes happen where you are. Like, why would you not keep an emergency team there? But then they kind of explain it by saying that all the employees left on the boat. Yeah, they that is weak though it may be. That is the explanation. Yeah. So like they are running on a full skeleton crew. Like a bare bones one person to do one thing. I don't really get what Samuel Jackson's job is because it seems like he's just Nedry Light. He's part of the tech team. Yeah. yeah. Like Nedry has Nedry's like the director of technology or operations or whatever. And he's here. Yeah. Yeah. I think what Nedry does here is just fucking crazy. Like the, the, like the, how there must've been something going on. I wish they dug into it with Mm -hmm. why he was willing to get these people killed. Yeah. Well, willing to do any of this, you know, it's like for, and the thing is willing to do any of it for 1.5 million in Jurassic Park, Fallen Kingdom, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom rather. Um, the dinosaurs are selling for like $20 million. And I understand yeah. that that's all the years into the future and inflation and all the things. But seriously, Nedry's getting paid $1.5 million for all the embryos and no one – and to like steal the technology. Yeah. Not just for one someone. dinosaur, but to actually give you the technology to make this something you can do. Like how the fuck is it $1.5 million, even in 1993? Nedry's getting fucked backwards by everyone around yeah. him. He must be getting paid like 20 bucks an hour by Hammond. Like, it, I, what is going on? Because this is a crazy thing to do. And he almost pulls it off, not, if not for the storm. He would have pulled it off, right? 
the systems would have gone down for a short period of time. He would have escaped the park. Everything would have, and it would have rebooted the systems and maybe they'd get some assets out of containment and maybe not. Right. Like if not for the storm, I think Mm. Nedry's plan works. It does. That's the problem. If it is, if it genuinely isn't for the storm, the plan works a hundred percent. Nedry gets off scot-free and he just killed like 18 people. Do you think anybody would have died if there hadn't been a storm? Do you think the power because it was only supposed to go out for a little while? Nedry didn't disable the park forever. No, he so he disabled it for like five minutes in order for him to get into the room. So if he'd been able to, well, no, but he left it off when he leaves because he wants to. It shows. It says, "Why would someone turn off the fences?" And it shows him opening the fence to get out of the. That's what I mean. Like it gave him. He only did it for enough time. Yeah, only. I thought you meant the embryo room. No, 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 no. He only did it with enough time to. That's why he does it and touches his watch because he now knows how much time he has to do all of this. To get to the dock, like so. Let's say it's it's broad like daylight and the or whatever, and there's no storm, so the power's off for probably less than half an hour, right? Yeah. Yeah, for Nedry to get to the dock. Um, and it comes back on and everything's fine. Sure, sure. He succeeds, no question. Yeah. Do the animals get out? No. No, right? Not a chance. Because the old... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay. The only reason... Man, they really should have hung tight or else the storm must have knocked something out because it's it like... It had to have. It all would have come back on. The reason that they have such a problem is that they turn everything off to yep. reboot the system. To start it. Inst- because the fences were going down and the storms were coming. But it's like... They didn't. The Raptors are not in that control room, so they have no reason to think that the fence is shut off. They know, so they're not just going to keep testing it and stuff. Well, that's what Muldoon said. Yeah, Muldoon says like they test the Raptor or they test the fences for weakness, Mm -hmm. but like the T Rex isn't going to come close to the fence and then touch it and shit until they realize that the power is out. Because technically, only the T-Rex and the Raptors escape their enclosures. They're the only two that actually get out. But I think that the storm is the thing that makes them freak out enough. If there was no storm, not a shot in hell. That they, like what they if have they this concern. Hadn't turned the power off. Do you think everything would have turned back yeah. on automatically? It would have come back on. Period of time. They just like acted too soon. Yeah, I think Nedry's a dumbass and he's greedy, but I don't think he was like that careless. Anyway, I don't know. We could postulate on that forever because I kind of think maybe if they just had done nothing, it might have been fine. And yeah. then they caused this by turning the power off. I don't know. Certainly the Raptors wouldn't have gotten out. You but, guys let us know. What do you think? Yeah. Did this have to happen? Was there a way out of it? <laughs> um, Can I, I ask pos- you a question about this? Yes. Ask me away. Why are there always kids in this movie? Like, why are there always kids in these movies? Uh, I believe the answer to that is because Steven Spielberg for the first one. And then because the other ones for all the rest. Mm, that narrowed it <laughs> I, down. I I believe that there I mean the kids obviously are in the book. Um Yeah, no, I I get that. Like extremely I'm extremely obnoxious in yeah. the book, right? So it's book it's book accurate for I believe the first two books. I actually think that there is a kid in the Lost World, isn't there? I think there is. I don't remember. I only read the first one. 
I'm pretty sure there's a kid in the Lost World. Whether it's Ian Malcolm's kid, I don't remember, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. But I do think that there's a kid. Malcolm is in the the sequel book. He is in Lost World. Yeah, I do know that. Um, but I do think I I think because Steven Spielberg in a lot of ways too, like yeah. that's his his whole game. But it's like. Yeah. It's like obnoxious. Like they don't provide any of the wonder, like I was saying, but they do deliver the fear. Yeah, all the scary shit. Absolutely. Oh my God, they are so great. And apparently uh, they barely had to do any acting during the T-Rex attack, which is when you really feel the fear from them, right? Yeah. Uh, Initially. And like they were just terrified. Good. Filming that scene. They were just screaming their heads off, which I totally buy. That's so good, dude. I mean, obviously, one of the most infamous scenes in the whole fucking movie that involves these kids is her seeing the portrait of the raptor move, and she's just sitting there holding a fucking spoon of jello. Yeah, shaking just yeah. like the water does. In the I, it just yeah, every time I see that, I'm like, holy shit, dude! Like the raptor part of the mosaic is moving. Like fuck. Yeah. This is not good. <laughs> oh my god. They sell it really, really well. And then it's like Grant's character arc, too. Yeah. Which, dude, I don't know. I I didn't really need that part. Like, I get it. Like, it's yeah. important to show, like, yeah, he grew. But, like, we, he didn't start off by being like, hey, are, are Alan and Sattler together? Like, they're going to have a kid eventually, like. He needs to learn to be a dad. Like, that wasn't really part of it for me. It's like, they do, though. Like, the whole first scene with them at the dig is about that. Talking about whether they want kids. And setting up a conflict where, like, he clearly doesn't and she Clearly does. Well, I don't know. She doesn't say. Like, it really is a trusting the audience moment where I think maybe they could have... I don't know. I guess their their thing isn't the point. Them arguing about it isn't the point. It's like they've barely started to maybe think about it. And she's like, they're not that bad. And he's like, of course they are. Like, they, it, maybe they haven't really had the conversation. It's kind of ambiguous. Doesn't he have the conversation with Dr. Malcolm in the fucking van about whether or not they're together? Well, no, yeah. Whether or not they're together isn't ambiguous. They're, that's clear from the very first scene. He grabs her ass in the first scene. And they, like, are obviously together, and she uh, calls him I, honey. I guess that's true. Yeah, it's I. It's understated, but it's not ambiguous. Well, yeah, but then we get to the third one, and it's not they're not together anymore. No, and interestingly, in the third one, they've broken up because she did want kids. And yeah, has and them. he meets them. Yeah, and they talk about that a lot, even in the in Dominion. So, like, that is their whole thing. Like, the reason they didn't stay together is that she wanted kids and he didn't, even after this, is my takeaway. But it's it's understated. It's not very, like... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not the forefront of this movie. Like, the, the human problems in this movie were not so necessary. Like, I didn't need someone to have character growth for this to still be a great movie. Like, Ian Malcolm doesn't learn anything. We just get a dope-ass shirtless scene with him. And I'm fine with that. We're all right. I didn't need I didn't need Alan learning to be okay with kids for this still to be like obviously he's going to do the right thing and protect the kids but him being like yeah okay maybe I do want to have kids now like that the movie for me still would have worked without it. I don't think that 
Well, I think it leaves it as like he's reached a certain comfort level or he's gone through a growth thing where he's like has a relationship with these kids now. Obviously, he doesn't decide he wants them. Right. Yeah. They don't stay together. But at the end of this movie, that's definitely left ambiguous. Like, who yeah. knows? Because their romance isn't the point. It just is there. And it creates conflict with Malcolm, which is fun. Um, he's such a smarmy Oh, well, yeah, he really is. <laughs> I respect the fact that he's, like, going for it. And then he's told then, off and he's like, no. Well, no, he's not told off. He asks. He t- he goes out of his way to say, hey, is this cool? Because this is kind of what I'm trying to do. And Grant is like, nah. And he's like, all right. And leaves it from there. He never, We've talked about this before. about it after. Yeah, we have. Uh, I think we talked about this, the rescuers down under. and that- Yeah, that's exactly what it <laughs> was. We were talking about Steve Irwin. Boss. Yeah, Steve Irwin. His name's Jake, but that's what Lindsay kept calling him. But like, yeah, okay, I remember that now. Yeah, um, totally. But I (laughs) I have to say, I respect I respect Malcolm much more than our friend Jake because Jake keeps going for it with Bianca even after he knows. But um, Ian Malcolm makes a point to ask as soon as he senses that tension, and then is respectful from there. And Ellie says Be like nothing. Ian Malcolm Sattler's just like, it's fine. But she's like so... Aloof. Well, she's so nerdily unaware. Yeah. She's not aloof. She's just sort of like... Well, no, with this she is. She's like not focused on like, oh, this could be this dude trying to like get in my pants or whatever. Like, no, that's not what it's about. It's No, like, that's, but that's not what... She's learning chaos is. theory right now. No, I know. I'm, I, I'm agreeing with you that aloof was not the right word. Oh, okay. I'm like, but that's not what that means. No, she's... Uh, she's she's very... scientifically naive. Yeah, yeah. She's she's like oblivious because she's such a nerd. She's like, look at this. Look at this. Alan. <laughs> Alan's just like, dude. <laughs> yeah, she's like, he's hitting right on you right now. What the fuck? And she's like, look at the science. <laughs> like, she's just so, she's such a fucking nerd. I love it. <sighs> um, but I do really like with Grant, like, where he goes from, like, not wanting anything to do with the kids to where um, – after they get out of the tree and they kind of like rinse off in the storm drain, which I thought was a great little thing to add. So they don't become yeah. the whole movie. Um, yep. Love that. Great move. Um, and Lex says, uh, she's like, but he left us. He left us. And it's like the first thing she's been able to articulate since. Yeah. The since that her, whole thing started her state of shock. Like that, and she is in shock. Is like so well done. Like the actress really sells it. But she's like, he left us. It's the only thing she can say. It's like, don't mm-hmm. leave me alone. And this other guy just left me alone. And then holy fuck. And I love when Grant goes, but that's not what I'm gonna do. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you're awesome. Like that's such a turning point for him. So I like the way that Spielberg uses the kids. It's so much better than in the book. In the book, they're so obnoxious. They're just there. This is where I like I start to get really irritated. Like it's funny to me because she's like she's playing Alan for sure. Because Lexi's like, she thought that I should ride with you because she said it would be good for you. And I'm like Yes, that's what I mean. They're not even really having the conversation yet. They're like like still playing around with the idea together. It's funny to me, but it's also like that's so disrespectful, dude. Like you're trying like he has made it abundantly clear. To this point that he is not comfortable around kids. And so yeah. rather than have like a healthy conversation about it, she's like, I'm going to push these two fucking like brand new annoying ass kids on Dr. Grant on this thing that he's not even going to be focusing on these kids. And as it escalates to more like dangerous shit, he's the only one around to help them. 
I know, and I like it. I do like how they handled it, but I would agree that this is a very early '90s unwoke. Like, <laughs> yeah, like just in were, terms. Now, now of I'm like, like Scott. No one's trying to hurt you. Like this isn't well, like a <laughs> exactly. The assumption was that it was normal to want to have kids. In yeah. this case, that assumption is being levied at Alan. That oh, well, you just you're just a boy. you just haven't been around kids enough, and you'll and, want yeah. them. You just have to get right. Yeah, yeah. No one's trying to hurt you, Scott. I know. But also, <laughs> I totally get it. I would be like if it was if it was reversed, I'd be so mad if it was like that. Ellie didn't want. Oh, them. I know. Yeah, if Ellie was the one, was like I don't fucking. Want you know, totally. whatever. And Alan's like, totally. go take these two fucking kids and you look after them and shit. Like, that's your job. Like, but it also creates like way more stereotype problems, but whatever. No, but, I think it's an unwoke assumption that everybody should want kids, that Alan should want kids. Yeah. And he has to go through an arc wherein he learns that he it's really okay does. to want to have and kids. And yeah. Yeah. And all of, which he ultimately doesn't have them, but this movie doesn't address that. So are I they back together in Dominion? Uh, at the end of Dominion, they are, and it's great. And okay, that's what I thought. Anyway, so yeah, they have all this like weird, this weird shit going on. Um, <laughs> but I like it. I think it's well done. I like their little love triangle with, with Malcolm. With Malcolm. I like his whole vibe. Everything about him is great. But let's talk about like close out our thoughts on the fear factor because the third act of this movie is, is all terror. It's all terror. So. Scary. You find out Samuel Jackson is dead in the worst fucking way. That arm. Like, Dude. I, every, like, for years, until four years later in 1997 when The Lost World came out, it was right before The Lost World came out that I stopped having to check, like, in the closet in my bathroom and behind the shower <laughs> curtain. Because I knew, I knew there was a raptor in there. I had actual, like, plans for what i was gonna do That's when amazing. when the raptors attack because <laughs> I, I knew it was gonna happen i mean to this day like being in tall grass like i would i really was like scarred all over again by the lost world but at least it was sort of silly enough that i was and i was older so it was okay but like it they are so scary and it's unreal because they don't look that great like we said like they don't yeah. they're not the most visually impressive or realistic of the dinosaurs but oh my god the the idea of like how fast they can move and the way Muldoon describes them and like ooh, they're so scary oh i know right? uh they're as fast as cheetahs they are intel <clears throat> intelligent enough to to respect hierarchies yeah. Like there were eight. What he tells them is there were eight originally. And then the, when the big one comes in, which is the one that's being transferred in the beginning of the movie, she kills five of them yeah. to assert dominance over this pride and then teaches the other two how to like assault and, you know, combat in like a an ambush style thing. And that's actually what happens to Muldoon. In the book, and this is – I kind of wish this had happened in the book. I'm kind of sad that this is what happens to him in the movie. But in the book, he actually does survive the attack with her because she has come to respect him because he respects her. And as far as like you're a dangerous predator and she's like, so the fuck are you? In the book, it's more like a dog playing with its owner kind of thing, but gets a little rough. And he does get very badly injured. But when they are evac'd out by the helicopters, Muldoon is in the helicopter with them. Yeah, he survives like barely, yeah. which is very cool. Yeah, in this, um, super not what happens to him. 
Um, but yeah, the the setup of the three raptors is super flawless writing. Like that they explain to us that we get down to three and we hear this scenario of like two coming from the side with in the opening scene with Grant, with the little kid, right? The other like kid set up to their story, right? Like how mean he is to this kid. Um, oh God. Even Ellie like, thinks it's funny though. She's like, God, Alan. I, well, because it's 1993, it was funny. Yeah. Uh, that would be like so not funny today. <laughs> like that's so abusive to this it, kid. No, it super is. This kid is clearly terrorized. But yeah, in 93, that kid deserved it. But um, so yeah, what they do, we get to like follow the three of them. Like we know how many there are. We know that we only see two of them when Muldoon gets killed, but I assume that there's three and that after that attack – Two of them go to the visitor center and one of them goes after Ellie. One gets like Ellie locks in the breaker room, right? Which is like yes. the second most terrifying scene in the movie. Yes, it is. Maybe that's tied with the T-Rex attack for me. <laughs> and I love how we can track them, right? We we lock one in the room, then we lock a second one in the kitchen. And then we hear, okay, we're solid. Like, we know where two of them are done. There's only one left as long as they don't learn to open doors. And the last one shows us they do know how to open doors. Yeah. So that when we ultimately have all three of them back, there isn't a plot hole around how they got out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, there's, it's like, oh, shit. We, and we get that answer right away. As soon as we say, oh, there's only one left, it's like, no jokes. They're all, they're all still out there. <laughs> yeah, they're all still alive. Love the raptors. Um but also, yeah, the scene in the breaker room is great. Ellie is such a queen. Yeah, she is. Like, there's so Ellie runs really... this movie. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Like, a large part of this movie is because Ellie stepped up. She is the Hermione of this group. Yeah. They would all be Which, Welcome back her. to Homeward Bound again, guys. The again. dangerous version. But, like. Yeah, right. No, these. Well, Homeward Bound was kind of dangerous. I don't. Yeah. Not, not as dangerous as Jurassic Park. But they, uh, this dynamic, I'm loving it everywhere we find it. Yeah. This, and it's, it's great. Yeah. They would all be dead if it wasn't for, for her. Laura Dern is perfect. Yeah. And then Raptors in the kitchen. We have to talk about this scene. Yeah. Because this is the scariest thing in the movie, right? Mm -hmm. I, this, for me, this was always the scariest. Well, and I think the reason that it's so scary is because no one else is there with them. Alan's gone. It literally is now just Lexi and Timmy taking care of themselves. Oh, God, it's so scary. It's so yeah. scary. The breath on the window is just utterly terrifying. This was that, like, this defined my childhood. This was that moment, yeah. I was so scared of this scene. Yeah, there, and still, to this day, I watch it, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I don't think I've watched this ever in my life without, like, like, I don't know that I've ever really watched it alone. Like, I text during this. I'm like, oh, my God, you guys are like, like, I know. Like, you were fucking texting me yesterday. And I was just like, oh, shit, she's already watching this movie. Like, <laughs> I know, because I'm like, oh, God, I'm afraid. I don't like it. I'm alone with the raptors in the kitchen. Like, that was the scariest, scariest thing. And I loved it. And it terrified me. Like, this scene was just, it's so iconic. Even though it's where some of the bad CG is, it's also where some of the best practical effects are like the full size yeah. like the raptor in the doorway sprawled out is a puppet and it is so scary yep. so and then they have like the claw tapping and stuff like we talked about so it's just like so 
So good. The kids really sell it. I think that it's their terror that makes it that like it. the raptors don't have to look perfect. The kids are so afraid. You feel that. Oh, urgency. yeah. And the, like trying to close the Their entire thing is thing. like trying to shut the gate. Yeah, trying to shut the, the, the drawer or whatever. Yeah, she's trying to close herself into one of the storage units or whatever in the kitchen. Yeah. And trying to shut the door and then the raptor runs into the reflection is some of the best like directing and filmmaking and like yeah. ever. And also one of the most iconic things in Jurassic Park and they repeat it over and over and over again in the sequels. Can I tell you one of the parts that made me laugh that unfortunately it kind of like took me out of the scene? Yeah. <laughs> or like the, the terror of the scene is right after that when Tim is trying to like lock the one in the, the cold storage. Uh-huh. The very next scene is Lexi running at full sprint with her arms out and her <laughs> eyes closed, just going, ah! And I don't know why, dude. I laughed my ass off. I think that they sell that totally. Like, that is part of why I was always so scared, even that. But there's a power in that moment and also in, like, the next bit of the scene, which is where they do, they lock one of them up and then they just run. Yeah, then they're gone. And they don't just sit around. They're like, oh, okay, cool. Well, they stop crawling. Or, you know, it's it's this, like, really well-done scene because there's so much tension of them, like, going inches at a time and trying not to be seen at all. Like, from when it goes to a stealth mission to, okay, stealth is blown. Just fucking get out of there. That and Yeah. And it oh, it widens up the whole thing. You have this really claustrophobic scene that that's why it's so effective and scary. But when they stand up and just run out the door, it puts everything into this like different perspective and it right. widens things up. And then you come out and there's Grant with the gun, and it it is this moment where you can like breathe, but also you're doing the thing that you spent the last five or seven minutes of a scene in the kitchen trying to avoid doing. It's so effective. Because you're scared because they stand up and run because that's what we've been trying not to do is be seen. But also, you get this breath of fresh air because oh, you lose yeah. the claustrophobia. Yeah, now you're it's more open. You're able to run. Yeah, absolutely. It's really good filmmaking. It's just such an effective scene. So anyway, that's my gush on that. I just <laughs> it's like I think one of the most effective scenes in all cinema. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, well, let's unfortunately, talk about the stuff that's not effective. Yeah, now we have to get into the shit that just did not work. And I am really sorry about this, guys. Obviously, I'm going to pick the lowest hanging fruit first, the one that everybody's been talking about for 30 fucking years. Um, the structure of the T Rex paddock changes based on the needs of the scene. And it's so weird because you want it to make sense. Everything yeah. that's happening around it makes sense. And Every time I watch this movie, including watching it for this review, I look to see if I can make it make sense because I think it must be me. If you guys haven't seen the movie in a while, let me break it down for you. When we first encounter the T-Rex and he breaks the wiring that allows him to enter the road, there's nothing but jungle. It's flat jungle. It's perfect. We're good. When the kids are trapped in the car... And then the car is slowly being pushed to the edge of what you think is the other side. Because of the way that the scene goes, the car is spun around. So now you're like, okay, they're moving to the other side. No, they're not. The car is being pushed back towards the very same paddock that the T-Rex just walked out of. However, now 
it's a random drop off of about 50 feet onto the ground. It's, it's like a cliff for them now. And so it's as tall as that tree. Yeah. Right. Like they go off the cliff into the tree and into then all the, the tree the with a car. And the cliff is so effective that they don't go back that way. Yeah, they, they don't try they literally to go can't back get back, to the back road. that way. They exactly. Go this whole fucking journey instead of just go back to the road. Yeah. You know, maybe I, what I would have done is wait in that tree until morning. Cause it was right there. Oh and yeah. Go back over it in daylight back outside of the paddock and try to follow the road back to. The That's all you center. have to do. All That's you have it. to do it's is walk back hard. to the gates and it goes right back to instead the. They're like outside of the park there, but, but, but fucking weirdly. Later that same night, somehow, how did they not hear Ellie and them? Like, they were right there. Oh, they were. And they were in the tree. They're in the tree. Like, not far. They were really not far away by the time they went back into another yeah. tree. Because they could hear the T-Rex roaring at Ellie and them. They heard that, but they didn't hear Ellie calling for them before. And mm. Ellie and them see the tree or see that the car's gone over the cliff. And walk down there to the car. They go to the crash site at the bottom of the cliff. Yeah. How did they get down there and then what back the up? Enough and with enough time to find Malcolm. Insane. Like, yeah. So that's the that's probably the biggest one. There are smaller things we already covered, like why uh what do you call it? Like what was the plan for showcasing the Raptors? Yeah, we talked about that. Um the lysine doesn't really work because it would take forever. So why even mention it? Well, I want to come back to the lysine contingency a little bit, but why, how, like, just for little plot holes, how does the Dilophosaurus get into the car, into the passenger seat? Okay, so on the other side of the car, Nedry gets out, opens it to get the flashlight from the glove compartment, and then uses the flashlight to pull the hook at the front of the Jeep. So that's why that door is open. And that's how it gets in the car. All right. Yeah. I can accept that. I can accept that. And it is still genuinely small enough to fit in the car. The problem that I actually have with that scene is that the frills are open at full breadth and it somehow still fits in the car. Uh, I'm okay with that. It's a Jeep. It's a Wrangler. It's no, and I get that too. Like Jeep life or whatever. But like, <laughs> you know, like, I'm, not, I'm not. It just like it just looks weird to me that like it's it's now fully open in the car again. Yeah, my favorite it's kind scene of in the movie. Visual effect. Yeah, totally. To, but like, it is just weird to me. And honestly, like of all the dinosaur screams or like roars or anything like that, the Dilophosaurus scream is the most terrifying one to me. I agree, and I think that um, – well, I don't know. When the raptors make that deep-throated sound that they're communicating with each other, oh, that's yeah. scary. That and is remember scary. what that makes Lex and Tim cover their ears? That yeah. noise is scary. Um, that might be the scariest sound in this movie. Later, it's sort of like Blue being friends with you. But in this movie, <laughs> yeah. it's really scary. But I actually think like despite my like rant about how much I love raptors in the kitchen, I do think that my – like. The Dilophosaurus attack is maybe the – I don't know. It's up there. It's hard to say it's my yeah. favorite over the raptors, but it's – it's it might be tied. Um, something that uh, these guys have in common with Rickon. Game of Thrones. Jesus. Yeah. Much like Rick on Stark, ha- Alan and Timmy need to learn to zigzag. I don't get that, dude. Like every movie Go I ever Go around the watch, tree, you dumb fuck. Real. What are you doing? Oh, Jesus. my God. 
Every time I watch a movie where something is falling in a straight line, why are you running the width of that thing that's falling? Just take four steps to the left or right and you're totally fine. It's completely senseless. I just don't, I just don't get it. Okay, so then the other thing that I always kind of thought was going somewhere, especially when I was a kid, was the Barbasol can. Yeah. It leaves it as though it sets something up. Like, I always thought, like, when okay, when I was six, I believed that, like, that would somehow create more dinosaurs. Like, the embryos being, which just doesn't. Right. Like, yeah, no, it just gets covered in mud. That's not how science, you don't just drop embryos (laughs) in the mud and a dinosaur grows. But six-year-old Lindsay was, like, really thought something was going to happen because of that. And and even now it's like it seems like it it's setting something up or that it, it's a dropped thread. But I think that actually it's more about how wasted these attempts at control really are, whether it's by engine or Hammond or whatever. Um, you can't control this situation. That's just totally wasted. It's going to get out of your hands regardless. Yeah. And it's never going to matter. You can do this whole stupid thing and it's like these dinosaurs would have gotten out even if it wasn't for this plan eventually. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And and it's all just so like the pointless nature of their attempts to control this. I think it's an, an interesting comment by made by the Barbasol can. <laughs> now, um, and then there's the part that pisses me off the most is that when they're all like while Lex is rebooting the system, the oh, Unix dude. system, and like Timmy stands around and like flaps his hands and doesn't do anything. Yeah. Like, and they, they can't reach the gun, right? Because they're trying to hold the door closed. Hold the door shut. It's one of a great moment for Timmy to shoot a raptor through the window. and yet, Or just or fucking hand, hand them the gun. the gun. Hand him the gun. Anything. Then we would, you know what it would have been, dude? Like if he had, then we would have been able to see like, oh, guns actually are a thing. They work. I guess that's a good point, but it's really poorly done. Like, it's just a no, moment that awful. doesn't make sense. It's like, it's if you also, want to not have the gun, we could have another way to not have the gun. Like, why, no, yeah. what's going on? It's also ridiculous to believe that this fucking 12-year-old girl can understand the actual full breadth of this network of security systems. Well, That's that- so ridiculous to me. Just because she's good with computers now, that doesn't make sense. This was literally, it had to be run by a team of MIT trained professionals but this little girl can figure it out the problem is like yeah if we hadn't seen the system that would be a great argument but what makes even less sense is that we see the system and it is like this just basic like file organizer oh yeah like the system itself is not like lex should be more than comfortable any of them should have been able to navigate it it was a basic file storage system it wasn't what is described as being this like groundbreaking, super complex, whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's really incongruous. That whole system in that moment with her, I know this, it's a Unix system. But it also has a great, like, that was super effective in 1993. No, and I get that That's fine. And you have to, was, it's, yeah. it's why I don't get mad at like hacker scenes because there has to be something in the visual medium to show you what's happening because that's not really what hacking looks like. Right. But I think like one of dude, and it's another, it's not even a big plot hole. It's like just an irritation thing to me up to this point. Things have been real with the suspension of like the DNA manipulation. There's been relatively solid science for the most part. 
But then for some reason, yeah, ish. Like, but for some reason, Timmy can survive a fucking electrical fence. Yeah. That would have killed an elephant. Yeah, like that's designed to keep a T-Rex out. Yeah, there's no shot that kid lives through that. I'm sorry, but that not only would his body not be intact like that, but he at best, his hands would have been burned black. Oh, for sure. He would have been like way more hurt. It was Tim just gets his ass beat through this whole movie. Like Tim kind of does get his ass kicked. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's really kind of shocking. Yeah. There are elements of this that don't totally work. Uh, most of it works so well. And I think that's what makes these little, like, cause they are nitpicks in any other movie. It would be like, yeah, whatever. Right. But yeah. because it's done so well, like it's so good that when these little things happen, like the, the, t-rex paddock turning into a moat it's like how did you miss this how did right they, it's, so, it's glaring stuff like that yeah like how did they not have a better plan you're right for the electric fence was a weird moment like yeah even though it was effective then they turned it into like comedy with the hair that was very 90s like i don't know the it, other thing that like bothers me about this scene is timmy becomes inexplicably deaf right before the fence turns back on there are alarms there are lights flashing oh, yeah. the two of them are screaming at him that he has to jump down but he's like okay one two no dude immediately that should have been a clear indicator you've got to get the fuck off well definitely and but it was effective to let it go on for so long as like tension building for the audience yeah and like, i get that that worked well. And then also, like, little kids don't really think that bad things are going to happen. Although Timmy at this point should definitely. Every bad, bad thing that could Yeah, Timmy's having. Timmy should be growing out of that. Happened. Yeah, he should be figuring that out by now, for sure. <laughs> this kid should be, like, 34 <laughs> mentally by now. Like, with oh how God, much right? real world shit he's had to deal with. He's great. He should know how to do his taxes. All right? Like. I like <laughs> when we. Yeah, he should just learn that through osmosis. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, I think I'm so uh, anxious to get to what your rating is for this. Let's talk about it because I, I'm like, can I give it higher than eleven? Do we have a rating above eleven? I will let you give a rating breaker to this one. I kind of want to give it like my firstborn. Like I, this yeah. movie is like. <laughs> I I will I think be turning Jurassic Park all the way up to a twelve. I just yeah. I fucking love Jurassic Park. This is a great movie, despite yeah. its you know having Flight some flaws. flaws. Like it's funny. It's 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 not objectively perfect. They are thi- well. It's the thing. Like I think what makes it so good is you can look past them. There are yeah. not flaws in this movie where I'm like this ruined it for me. Like we've we've had in other movies where I was like, dude, I would have given this higher if it wasn't for that or if it wasn't for this. I've said that numerous times on numerous movies. I yeah. even said it for Homeward Bound. Like the the human aspect of things is why I couldn't give it higher than a 7.9. Yeah, but you did. You were rough on Homeward Bound. But no, it's true. It's like this is but this is definitely the the highs outweigh. Absolutely. The, the like mellow slopes that make up this yeah. movie's lows. Like it's not. It's not dramatic lows. This movie's really, really good. I fucking love it. And for the villain rating, like, see you above. Like, do the Raptors get a 12? Like, they do. And they're the bad guy. They are. We can be existential and all yeah, that. Yeah, we can. 
And we, we've talked about all of that. And yes, Hammond could be considered the bad guy, but the real antagonist of the movie is are the, the raptors. raptors. Yep. Yeah. It's not even the T-Rex, man, because he kind of just like is doing his own thing. The T-Rex saves the day. Rexy is like the most popular character in the Jurassic Park franchise. Like, Absolutely. As I'm sure everyone listening knows. What do you think is <laughs> – what did you rate this movie? What did I rate this? I gave this a 9.5. Oh, my God. That's this so is, low. It's so not low. It's like dude. barely higher than IMDb. All right. No, to explain. The score is phenomenal. It's John Williams again. It's, okay, we didn't talk about the music. We don't have to. It speaks for itself. True. Um, the score is phenomenal. It Everybody knows this theme. It's used in so many fucking jokes and like future things like dun, 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 dun. like everybody knows that shit. Okay. It's exciting and whimsical. And you like, dude, what do they got back there? Is it King Kong kind of shit? <laughs> that's fine i love this movie for its terror for its comedy for its its human like chemistry everybody does their job well in this movie what stops me from giving this a 10 is as i've gotten older there are things i can't look past like the ellie making the kids sit with alan thing Hammond still not addressing the reality that this park is not going to fucking happen. Like you need to fucking face this. He does. In the end he does. At the end he does, but he needs to fucking like when they get the power back on, he needs to call people to destroy this Island. Like, or somebody says I've decided not to endorse it too. I'm not, I'm not saying that your ratings not legit. I'm just saying he does say I've also decided not to. He's like, yeah, neither have I. Yeah. Um, and that's fine, and I get that. And so it basically kind of leaves it as like, okay, we're done here. There are a lot of things that I like about this. Again, and another part of it is like the dinosaurs need to be shown as animals still. Like they are immune to any form of damage that wasn't inflicted on them by another dinosaur. That's yeah. my only that's my major gripe. That's fair. And unfortunately, Jurassic World turns that indomitable ability up to like a thousand because the indominus rex they only defeat the indominus rex because the original t-rex fights him and the mosasaur drowns the indominus rex other than that and again i am nitpicking and i i did give this a 9.5 this movie is phenomenal i will watch this movie anytime someone says they want to watch this movie i will go out of my way to watch this movie if i want to watch creative deaths or inventive like scenarios i love muldoon's respect and terror of the raptors i love the way he talks about them the suspense even though i know what's going to happen during the entire clever girl scene is incredible it is never not going to like jazz me up yeah it's it's this is a great movie and this is as close to perfect with imperfections that i find that i can probably give a movie yeah i can al- i can allow it i can allow it despite my turning it up to a 12 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm like being so right, unbalanced okay. otherwise all right. okay all right fine fine <laughs> together we make it an 11 just about <laughs> yeah just about it's still an 11 so i guess that's that's fair enough I feel like for averaging an 11. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's actually it. the first 11 we've had. If you want to just stick out an 11, it's the first 11 we've had in a while. Yeah, but no, but that's okay. It can be your 9.5 and my, yeah. my 12 or 12 come out at like, I guess that makes it more of like a 10 out of 10, slightly above a 10. Yeah. 
Point is, Jurassic Park is really, really good. Uh, take yeah, us out is. of here. Tell us about what next week is bringing. Uh, I will take us out of here. I'm very excited about next week, guys. Um, as always, thank you all so much for joining us tonight. We do hope that you enjoyed yourselves and maybe even learned something, especially with all the info we gave you on dinosaurs today. Please be sure to let us know on Instagram or any of our social media what your favorite dinosaur was. And be sure to join us next week for our Halloween special. Yay! Oh my god! It's Hocus Pocus. We're doing both the first and the new sequel. And it fits perfectly into our timeline. We did that on purpose. This was totally not a coincidence. We're intelligent people. (laughs) Be be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to the show as well as follow us on all of our social media. You can find the links to our sites on social media in the episode descriptions. If you would like to support the podcast, view our notes, or get in on the game show that we run, Rewind the Timeline, please uh, feel free to join us and follow us on Patreon where you can catch, like I said, the quiz show. New episodes are coming when I uh, finish my questions. Make sure to check out our website as well for all of our timeline goodies, including our new feature, Request the Timeline. We just got a request last week, guys, and we will be covering 1986's Milo and Otis as a request. We even will be, uh, if I remember correctly, please correct me if I'm wrong, Lindsay, but I believe we are bringing the requester on. Yeah, um, Aradia from over at Wheel of Time Spoilers Podcast is going to come on with us for Milo and Otis. So get stoked for that for all of our Wheel of Time fans. I know you guys know Aradia, so um, that's going to be very exciting. Um, And I'm sure we'll find lots of ways to tie it back to the Wheel of Time. Oh, well, that's all we're going to be talking about. We'll just be like, do you guys know that there are probably dogs in Wheel of Time? Speaking of Wheel of Time. There are indeed many dogs. Do you see what I did there, you guys? Do you see what happened right there? Do you see I'm sure we'll be able to find something much more interesting yeah. than that in terms of parallels. However, anyway, like I said, this episode is going to be things. tremendous. It's going to be hocus pocus. It's going to be awesome. Oh my god. Um, anyway, do me a favor. You guys have a wonderful week. Get ready for Halloween. Get ready for our Halloween special, and stay nerdy. <laughs>